addiction and just the nature of addiction. And it's literally one of uh, my favorite topics. So, because um, everyone has an addiction until they don't. And I think when we come to understand our own, um, uh, what can be uh, coping strategies, right? And find them in our lives, whether it's in action or thinking patterns or ways of being, it's not only, addictions certainly are not only about, you know, food or shopping or um, cocaine or tobacco or marijuana or alcohol. It's, it, it, it also equally includes the realm of, of patterned behaviors, patterned ways of thinking. So when we come to understand our own addictions and habits and patterns that we turn to to change the way we feel, it brings a greater compassion and understanding for those, for, for everyone else. So, um, I just love this topic so much. So, uh, I forgot. So understanding that addiction is never about the habit itself, that addiction is something that we repeatedly turn to, to change the way we're feeling. Mm. Number one, that's really important. And number two, it's really important to understand is that when we want to change our, the, the, the pattern or the action of our addiction, it will never work if we have, if our strategy is I'm going to just stop it and apply will. All right. Because in order to understand, in order for, a, for an addiction to quit you, you have to understand how it's serving you, what's underneath it and what's going on in your inner world. What pain, what emotion do you not want to be with such that you're turning to the habit and pattern? Mm -hmm. it, it has so much information. And so when I work with people um, that are navigating addiction, we never start with like a game plan of, okay, now today at 8 p.m. when you're hungry for the thing, you're not going to do it. You're going to go do something instead. Right. That never, ever works. The first step. In, in working, in, in, in getting to understand your own habits, patterns, and addictions is to, is to really ask yourself, what, how is it serving me? What, what emotion is it keeping me from? And what state is it taking me to? Right? Someone who uses heroin is, is navigating a different pain and seeking a different relief than someone who is turning to food. Right? So um, food, if you think of, of uh, food addictions, typically it creates a numb state, right? A, a heavy, it's like there's a, there's a heaviness. And if you talk to anyone that has a, a, a habit pattern or an addiction, if you ask them, tell me what you love about it. Tell me how it serves you. How is it wonderful? You know, and I mean not not only with no shame or judgment. I mean with authentic curiosity, so you can mm -hmm. learn to understand about it. Because people, when they have the space to share with you, they'll talk about the ritual of it, the ritual of of the habit. They'll talk about the connection they have with others potentially. They'll talk about how the energy moves in their body. Is it rising or is it a descending, right? Is it a, is it a numbing or is it a rushing? So your, your, your addictions have so much information in them. Um, so connecting to, uh, 
Number one, it's so important every day to tend to, you know, to consciously ensure that you are doing the, what we call the three nourishments. And that is, am I consciously tending to my body today? In some way, it might just be a 15 minute walk or whatever, right? Am I consciously tending to my mind, my intellect? The thirst for that love of learning, like we never stop loving learning or exploring um, whatever is mentally stimulating to you. So did I nourish my body today or where am I going to nourish my body today and putting it in your calendar? Where am I going to be nourishing my mind and what is my soul nourishment? Your soul nourishment may be creative, a creative outlet. It may be um, talking to a friend on the phone, you know, scheduling, like, you know, Abby and I will schedule a call, you know, so that we make sure it happens. That's soul nourishment. So number one, that's really important. And number two, starting to train yourself before you engage in a habit pattern or, or addiction that you know doesn't serve, isn't considered nourishment, right? Um, asking yourself, what pain am I seeking to avoid right now? Mm -hmm. Or what what, just what am I avoiding right now? So if you find yourself turning to food, what am I really hungry for? Um, or what do I just not want to be with right now? And you're going to find when you ask yourself that question, you, in the space between your thinking, the truth will just pop right up there. Oh, I don't wanna, I, I don't know how to deal with my sister-in-law being the way she's being, with my, uh, my husband. My is, is blah, blah, blah. My son is going through this blah, blah, blah thing. And I'm, this is how I'm viewing myself. So your inner dialogue, when it becomes stressful enough, you're like, mm, eh, mm. you now have an emotion that's uncomfortable. And so we turn to something to, to, to move away from the uncomfortable emotion. Mm. It's logical. So when you can see the logic in addiction, then you can rewind and see it's not about the behavior because if the behavior is a way to move away from the discomfort of the emotion that is sourced by the thought you're believing true, then that the, the addiction, the habit isn't the problem. It's not tending to what's going on up here. Right. That's the source. So when you tend to the mind, you tend to what you're avoiding, the habits will quit you because ultimately there is no substance, there's no high, there's nothing more delicious, there's no thrill, ultimately more intoxicating than the clear mind. When you have tended to everything in your life that you're trying to avoid, that's it. And when I look at the ways that addiction um, came into play in my life, mm -hmm. it was totally to like mm -hmm. withdraw, from reality mm -hmm. <laughs> that was not fun and intense at times. I mean, I think back to like high school and high school was hostile for me. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I never felt like excited or thrilled until I changed schools mm -hmm. much later on. Um, but like my sophomore year of high school, I was like, on all kinds of drugs every day, mm -hmm. all day during school, like yeah. during school, because mm -hmm. that like served as this way to withdraw mm -hmm. from the chaos that I viewed mm -hmm. and the stories I had about that chaos mm -hmm. in my mind. And, and as a nine, it, like withdrawal is that like that's that's kind you, of the Achilles heel. You created your hundred acre woods in mm -hmm. your mind, right? Yep. So addictions will match 
what it is, uh, it's going to line up with your constitution and what you're avoiding. Like, so when I was, when I did like alcoholism, Mm -hmm. that was like, I, I never, uh, I, I smoked pot when I was in, in college and in my twenties and I I haven't smoked it really since I was 25. I don't like it anymore because it makes me too kapha. Right? Like, I'm like, that's not fun. Like, you know, when I used to just like go when I would walk and walk and walk and, and if I didn't allow it it to go into that cup for place, I would walk and it was wonderful. But other times I noticed like, this is not, this, it didn't line up. It wasn't the right medicine. Right. For my constitution. Right? Like, so I was, I would always seek as escape anything that would bring me more energy mm-hmm. because I didn't like anything that would just like slow me down. Right? right. So, so I think the things that we turn to, um, alcohol also tends to be the, the medicine of grief and unattended sorrow. Um, uh, so I think it's both constitution and Enneagram, like Christopher mm-hmm. being a three, mm-hmm. he was hooked on smoking pot for many years. I mean, it, it had him in a chokehold mm. and, it makes, it's the most, see, your addictions are logical. There's a logic. You went into the hundred acre woods in your mind, right? Of the, of the inner psychonaut. Mm-hmm. He, what, what marijuana did for him, because he's such a generator and a doer. So his constitution is like fire and go. So the fire oh, will, yeah. will agitate your, uh, your, you know, it creates an imbalance, number one. Mm-hmm. And number two, when he would get high, it would stop him from doing and it moved him into being. Mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden he could stop like having to do and produce and go, go, go. And he could be like the magic of the grass. He's just being, Mm -hmm. you know, the magic of the blade of grass. Look at this, the music of the blade of grass, you know, like, and it would literally render him like speechless. He couldn't talk. I mean, I met lots of people that could like talk and you almost even wouldn't even know they're high, not Christopher. It was like the medicine that taught him <laughs> temporarily mm-hmm. how to access being. Mm. And so there also is a brilliance to our habits and our addictions, right? Like it also is showing us, listen, kid, you're trying to seek how to slow down from doing. It gives you a temporary glimpse. Yep. And that is the beauty of it, right? Of course now, but then when you get hooked on it and you cannot then do it yourself without the pattern or the, or the behavior, then, then, you know, you're in hot water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and it, and, and you can mine clues out of that for yourself. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when I look back from a different lens and a different part of life and, um, and I see that escapism and the being, I, so when I was in high school, it was always hallucinogens. It was like, mm-hmm. how much acid can I take in one week and probably still be okay? do not recommend Um, and and in that I can see that not only was it giving me like a the golden ticket to Mm. to get to be in play and fantasy world in a socially acceptable because it was totally socially acceptable to be like look at the magic of the willow tree. I think that there are fairies and sparkles in it. Now, if I said that sober, everyone would be like, Jeannie, you're a freaking weirdo. And if I said it tripping, then it's like, oh, ha, 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 Jeannie's tripping. Like, right, totally socially acceptable. So 
going into that place and looking at it, I can see how, how fantasy and play is so important in mm -hmm. my well-being, mm -hmm. you know? So what do we do? How do we do that with organically? How do we do that? Yeah. Um, for my husband's birthday a couple months ago, we had our own Renaissance fair in our backyard because we can't go to Renaissance fairs mm -hmm. right now. We, uh, um, a festival that was happening in Ithaca every year for as probably the past five or six years isn't happening anymore. We're going to have that festival in our backyard this weekend. So mm -hmm. dressing up, mm -hmm. playing role-playing games with the kids, like all of those things are so important. And, and you can look at where these places were and where you went. And, and again, the addiction in my 20s to this fantasy role-playing video game, once I was able to meet those needs mm -hmm. in life without the addiction and, and look at it like, oh, this is a really great clue. This isn't like a, it isn't necessary to be in that place of shame mm -hmm. and embarrassment when you can mine out the, the wisdom the of it. Wisdom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's, it, that lines up so perfectly with, with uh, your Enneagram. It makes complete sense. And kapha. I mean, you know, it, it bring it lights that fire mm -hmm. of like curiosity and passion mm -hmm. and excitement where I can kind of be like, I can just be in my beingness of kapha. Um. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. And, and I, um, I too did years of uh, on and off of hallucinogens because, yep, it served my, as, an, as the Enneagram 4, like obsessed with awareness and union and, and all that. Like, so it was amazing. It was, it was it just amazing. It showed me, gave me the, the, the glimpses of the vastness of everything, the nature of reality, the nature of mind. And then I heard a distinct voice when I was, before I was 25, uh, say to me very clearly, you're all done now with everything. You've, all, you've now been shown everything that there is to see and experience and you now know the capacity that you have access to yourself. You can do all of this essentially sober mm -hmm. and now go, go learn it uh, without the aid of anything. And so that was, that was it. That was the end point. And so then that set me on the journey of meditation and, and I, I mean, I had already, they, the, the two worlds mixed, you mm -hmm. know, very much so. Um, so, so there is a, such a wisdom to your habits and patterns. Another um, stint that I had in addiction was tobacco. God, I loved tobacco. I loved it. I loved the ritual of rolling tobacco. I loved, I just loved it. And one of the most common groups of new smokers are moms with young children at home. Mm -hmm. And you, you can see the logic in it, why? Because oftentimes you'll go outside You'll step outside. It's basically a pranayam. <laughs> and do breathing <laughs> and practices. And breathing practice, right? You step away from the children. You get a pause, right? So I, it was, it was my uh, pause. I didn't know how to take that and be with my mind and all that was going on there um, in a way that I could do sober. So as it really was the practice of inquiry, and understanding, uh, meeting my mind with understanding, understanding what was behind the emotion that, remember, if you have a thought, my life is overwhelming. Let's just say you have that thought, okay? It's a, con it's a concrete thought. Mm -hmm. 
Shit's overwhelming, okay? That's a, that's a thought a lot of people have, right? You could probably find yourself in that. And, the, and, and if you really believe it, it's like, shit's overwhelming. Mm -hmm. It generates the emotion of maybe it's panic, of tension and agitation. That's an, that, that's an emotion that then, that where that goes, right? So you've got the thought, you have the emotion that corresponds to the thought, which then creates the feeling of sensations in your body that, that generates the frequency and the vibration that's emanating from you. So when that gets uncomfortable enough, you'll turn to something to change the way you're feeling or to try to attempt to regulate it or to step away from the discomfort of it. So there is such a logic to it. And, and, and as I started to tend to the original thought of my life is overwhelming, okay, and I had to unpack that. How so? What is it I don't want to tend to? What am, I, what am I scared to face? What am I scared to do? What am I afraid to change? What am I afraid to bring integrity to? Mm -hmm. As I brought integrity to every area of my life, here's what I noticed. I noticed the space between cigarettes on its own without any conscious effort started to get wider. The, the, the thickness of a cigarette I rolled got just thinner on its own. And then I noticed I would smoke even like only a little bit of it and I didn't want any more. Mm -hmm. So this is how, what we mean by addictions, ha your habits will quit you when you tend to yourself and you bring healing or integrity to your life. You tend to whatever pain you don't want to be with and you tend and face whatever you're avoiding. And I didn't do any of that on my own, right? These were the key points where I made sure I had a good guide that understood the model I'm sharing with you. I didn't find it uh, in counselors or um, therapists of, of traditional Western models. I found this kind of support with people, with uh, spiritual counselors or people that a new inquiry, they, they read Adyashante, like they had a framework. And I also want to share with you, um, Lynn Frazier is one of the, the uh, she's in the yoga farm community in the, in, in the green group. This is her book. It's called Find, uh, Friends with Your Mind. She offers meditation um, every morning at eight. She's, she's a highly trauma informed and she works really well with living inquiries. She's an incredible inquiry teacher. And I can't speak highly enough to uh, Gabor Mate. Um, this book, In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts, is if you really want to understand addiction, you want to get to know. He's got tons of videos on YouTube. Yeah. He, is, <clears throat> he is incredible. Um, Johan Hari is my other favorite. He's all about lost connections and about depression, anxiety, and addiction and what, what source is that? And we love Russell Brand. So oh. we're just gonna say, we love this, this book about recovery. <laughs> okay. He is, he has on the back the updated 12 steps, which I think are really incredible. Uh, if you are of a 12 step model person. Um, step one, are you a bit effed? <laughs> step two, could you not be effed? Mm -hmm. Step three, are you on your own going to be able to uneff yourself? Step four, write down all the things that are effing you up or have ever effed you up and don't lie or leave anything out. Five, honestly, tell someone trustworthy about how effed you are. 
okay so it goes on and on so um uh, love him yeah. love him love <laughs> He's him really, really great so gabor mate um johan hari russell brand these are they are incredible and i highly recommend lynn frazier she is just she is a grounding force in um wisdom and just her, her presence is so grounding and she is just masterful with inquiry um it's not inquiry like the work of byron katie it's a different style of inquiry and she's extremely and her good. energy is so <gasps> rooted. Yeah. yes so rooted mm -hmm. it's like um yeah I, I mean it's like when you have found that perfect spot in your house or that that chair that you love to sit mm -hmm. in and and, mm -hmm. and drink your tea like dropping into space with her is like yeah. you're right there in that chair yeah and um it's funny too like because she's not a like a lovey lovey person no like at all however mm -hmm. and and it's because the, you know love you can feel from or you think you feel from some people through personality mm -hmm. it doesn't come through her personality it literally comes through her presence yes her energy like there'll be like a flat affect and you're like i just love you so much uh -huh. right it like comes <laughs> I want to be Lynn when I grow up someday. Mm. I want to be that. I want to be that constitution. I want, <laughs> which I'm not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, well, I hope that friends, that there is something of value for, for you in this, in this conversation and that, um, you just start with the basics. And again, you know, it doesn't mean don't do the habit or the pattern start to unpack. What is it that I'm, I, I don't even know how to be with in my life and just start getting truthful with yourself and know that your what you turn to is to change the way you're feeling and until you tend to what you don't want to face <laughs> you your addiction is gonna make logical sense yeah it willpower won't work and and if you're you know navigating also someone in your life that you love deeply. Mm. oh yeah that someone had a question um, about enabling experiencing addiction you know you can be in that space of seeing that as uh, a window into knowing that there likely is some unhealed wound or trauma that that person is navigating and not mm. you know enabling the numbing and the um avoidance of actually healing the root and you know it's just one of my uh experiences and beliefs that a lot of addictions maybe even the majority of them come from those unhealed wounds and traumas from when we were younger in life uh things that we experienced so seeing that um you know seeing that wounded child and allowing them the space to grow up and through what they have experienced rather than shame frustration oh, yeah. blame um or enabling, which also yeah. can happen when you really, really love somebody and they're in the throes of addiction. Yeah. Um, Gabor says, number one, it's impossible to understand addiction without asking what relief the addict finds or hopes to find in the drug or the addictive behavior. There is a purpose to all behavior and feelings. And he goes on to say, it's never why the addiction, why the pain. Yeah. That's it, right? And so, it can be pain as it's related to the living moment, right? Like I'm overwhelmed with X, Y, and Z, which is current. Or it could be pain from, from six, 10, 15, 
um, all, all, all traumas of little T's and big T's that, that have not been reconciled. We, they will keep coming up because healing is so determined to happen. You cannot escape it. You can, healing is so determined. It will, train wrecks can play out in our lives because healing is determined, literally. <laughs> and, the, and, and where we have messes or um, it, where we just have messes of, of any size is, is an expression of there's something that hasn't been tended to. So um, you want to make that your highest priority because it will keep you, if you don't, it will keep you from living your exceptional life, from living free and freedom. I love when Katie says freedom is our birthright. It is. It is. And I really believe that it is freedom from any pain, the pain, the unnecessary suffering in our inner world. And this allows us to learn how to be with the pain in life and not unnecessarily suffer. They're so different. And addiction is suffering. It is mm -hmm. suffering. And, and I have never, um, I can say being addict-free addict for, for years now. And I've been through the most difficult stuff in my life. Completely sober. Not once, not once did the thought think me, damn, I could go for a drink right now. Or, shit, I wish I was still a smoker or I'd love a cigarette right now. The thought wasn't even there. Okay, so there is no journey more courageous than being able to be sober with your experience in life. So, um, so it's a journey, and it's we're not designed to do it alone. I had guides all along mm. the way at key points, right? One-on-one -on -one people that could help me through the squeeze points because this is very, very hard to do on your own.